What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Custard TV podcast. It is me here, Matt, once again, welcoming you to uh, this May Day edition. Joining me this week, um, she just stuck around after last week, it's Sophie Davis. How are you, Sophie? Hello, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm back again, and Luke is also back today. Oh, spoiler. 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 Yeah. Special guest star, Luke Knowles, is on the podcast today. Full name, I don't like that. Thank you for asking. I haven't been well, but well, now yeah, well, I am. Because well, we did say last week that you have been poorly because you you, we were meant to have your presence. How are you now? Are you you back to full yes, strength? Yes, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I, I, except every time I tell people I've been ill, there's an urge to cough. So uh, I won't mention it again, otherwise I'll be coughing all the time. But I'm fine. Thank you for us. <coughs> there you go. By the way, how are you? Nobody ever asks how you are. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, it's been... I've been working um, hard. Nothing much to report, really, on this end. No, no mm. anecdotes, Sophie. Something must have happened to you in the week that's worthy of a share. Not really. Uh, I went to the theatre to see Cabaret the other night, which was amazing, Ooh. and that's been the Ooh. highlight of my week, really. Since I've moved to London about six months ago, really, I've been going sort of like once a month when I can get a cheap ticket. Yeah, it's been good. Because I was looking at going to Cabaret, but those tickets look really expensive. Like The bottom level, the stalls are insane. I didn't realise how much they were until I looked afterwards and they're like £200, £300. I was was up in the gods for £50, but I still had a good view, so I was pleased. Matt, I I have nothing more to say. So if you want to lead what has become your podcast, <laughs> off you pop. Yeah, there's a bit of like um, regret there, Lucas. There or slightly. Do you want to know? Yeah, Luke, I... You 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 lead this one. You tell us what's coming up on the okay. show today. Okay. Okay. Let's see if I can. I'll let I'll let you lead it and see how you get on. And if you get stuck, then I'll jump in. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the show today, we will be talking the return of Barry on Sky Comedy and HBO, we will be talking new Apple TV Plus show Shining Girls, new BBC One comedy, uh, Here We Go. And also we're going to be talking about the 
UK remake of Call My Agent, the French Netflix show, uh, which has been uh, given the title 10% to match its French original, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. But first, as is apparently the new format of the podcast, we're going to share what you can find on the site and where you can find us. I am at Luke Custard TV for the site, and it's Luke Knowles, my own personal Twitter that I keep forgetting exists. Except for when I mentioned Did it when doing this Did you steal Sophie's tw- Twitter handle a little Do bit? Do you know there? what it was? It, it she's wasn't, got the I realised afterwards. I thought my name was quite unique, and it turns out on Twitter it isn't. So I had to. I tried the Luke Knowles. I tried I'm Luke Knowles, and then eventually I went to it, and then I realised that's what Sophie has. But I don't think. Did you take out any pattern Junctions. on it, Sophie? Is is it allowed to be used? Because I wasn't stopped, so I'm presuming I didn't step on any. Sophie Davis toes there, but I think I'm all right. On the site at the moment, there are reviews of two of the shows we're going to be talking about, Shining Girls and 10%, one from Nicole Lamper and one from Eamon Hennedy. Uh, there's also going to be a big piece on The Sopranos, and I just wrote about the brilliant third episode of Better Call Saul that is now streaming on Netflix. What about you, Sophie? You're in the gap between podcasts, but where can people find you and what have you been writing about for the other site? The unnamed other site. On Twitter, I'm at It's Sophie Davis. And yeah, don't worry, I stole the It's off someone else yeah. as well. I thought okay. I heard I heard it and thought, oh, that's a good idea because I've got quite mm. a common name. And yeah, I'm sort of in between series of It's an S pod thing. Um, people can catch up with that if they want to about S Club 7's TV series. There's also the Julia Davis podcast uh, called Smash Prawns in a Milky Basket, which goes back quite far. Um, and yeah, I wrote a review of Russian Doll for Vodzilla and uh, hopefully quite soon I'll have a review of 10% online as well. Also, I was going to ask you, what is the next Julia Davis project that we know of that's in the pipeline? Is there even is there even one she's due to be starring in or writing or producing? Is there anything coming from her? But I know she's in the next series of The Outlaws, you know, the Stephen Merchant ah. thing. That's I'm it. not yeah. sure how big her role is, but she was part of the cast announcement for that. Um, and in mm. terms of writing, I'm not sure what she's got going on, really. Um, hopefully we'll have something soon. She doesn't usually take particularly long, you know, breaks mm. between projects. So or maybe there'll be more of her uh, Dear Joan and Jerrica stuff coming because that's quite <laughs> like there's been a few series of that now and a book and that sort of thing. So maybe we'll get another series of that in the future. Matt, what about you? What have you been doing since the end of Great British Menu? What am I watching, you mean? Yeah, well, no, well, what are you doing with your life? Because that's what you do, Yeah, that's it? gone, and University Challenge has finished, Mastermind's finished, so yeah, I'm just sort of in a little box, really. I'm just trying to think what, what, what we've been watching, really. Not a lot, I suppose. Um, but yeah, Where I've been can people try- find you to hear you talk about the things you're not watching? <laughs> At Matt's TV Bites. Yeah, the podcast as well is on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, all that all that jazz. And uh, please give us a rating, review and a follow. Talking telly on the Custard TV podcast. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Let's do it! Ready? Here we go. And we're going to start off with me talking, which is a pleasant change for most people, and a nice breather for Matt. We're going to talk about the return of Barry. The last series of Barry, for those keeping score, that was on the 19th of May 2019, before the world had heard 
of COVID-19 and we were all living in bliss and we thought the next series of Barry was about a year away. The series was just started to shoot when everything shut down in the US. So much so that Alec Berg and Bill Hader, the creators of Barry, went back and rewrote a lot of the things they weren't happy with with season three. And then, just to be extra busy, they wrote season four as well, which I believe is going to be the final season of Barry. Now, what the pandemic has done is not only has it halted a lot of my favourite shows and meant the big years gap, but it also meant that as much as I love Barry season two, coming into this episode titled Forgiving Jeff, I had no recollection properly of what the ending was and HBO didn't do a previously on Barry, at least on the copy I saw. So it picks up with Barry, not in the acting class anymore, but just taking a hitman jobs for hire. He gets phone calls from wives who want boyfriends or husbands killed. He's in the grocery store. He's taking phone calls. He's basically like a handyman, but a hitman. And it starts off with this guy He's got him in the boot of his car and another guy. And he says, no, actually, don't shoot him. I'm going to forgive Jeff. We don't really know who Jeff is, but that's the opening sequence. And Barry ends up shooting them both for wasting his time. Barry, of course, played by Bill Hader. Uh, We then move on to Fuchs, who is in sort of exile in Chechnya with a load of the gang. Uh, What's his name? No, Hank. Uh, With a lot of his gang, although No Ho Hank is still in the U.S., and has found out that Barry has framed him for the police officer's murder at the end of season one. He finds that out when um, the police call him in and say that they found uh, a card of his or a piece of memorabilia of his by the body, and that's when um, Hank finds out that Barry has basically framed him for that. The acting class has kind of dispersed because Sally has turned her past relationship trauma into a big success of a streaming drama. So she's busy working on that, and there's a great tracking shot of her walking through the set of this new show that she's working on, where she's used her trauma to make it into this drama, and she's got a young daughter who's playing, and she's really at the top of her game and really respected and really busy, whereas Barry is, as I say, languishing around the house, doing these hitman jobs for hire. At the end of the episode, Jean Cousineau, played brilliantly by Harry Winkler, he knows that Barry is responsible for Janice's murder. And then uh, Barry takes him out into the middle of nowhere, points a gun at his head, finally decides second before, seconds before shooting him, and a big motivational speech by Jean says, I know how I can make it up to you for killing her. Get back in the trunk, and that's where the episode ends. So I suppose my first question is, Were you disorientated, Sophie, by being back in Barry's world? And how quickly did you find yourself falling in love with the show? Or did you find it hard to reconnect after so long away? Well, I prepared myself. I watched a recap on YouTube because I I, I found that I could remember season one pretty clearly, like from start to finish. But season two was a bit more mixed in my head even though I did enjoy it as much as series one. Watching the recap, though, it did sort of come back to me and, you know, the way that it ended where Gene knows what he did, but Barry doesn't know that. And then Barry sort of went on that rampage, didn't he, where he just slaughtered all of the gang members. Um, And yeah, I just got back into it really quickly. I just, I love that the humour in this show, you know, it's so dark, but I find it so funny. 
I love the characters. I think particularly Noho Hank. I, I love how he's now in like a really sweet relationship with the other <laughs> gang leader because Barry yeah. basically killed all their friends. They've just sort of bonded with each other over that. Um, mm. And he's really like pleased with himself after he does his first police interrogation. And he sort of comes home and is like, you know, hi, babe, I had my first interrogation today. It went really well. I think he's great. As you said, yes, Sally now has her own show. And I love how she's still this really sort of self-centered, quite horrible actress. She's brought Darcy Carden's character up with her as a sort of like assistant, hasn't she? And does a little speech where she's all kind of like, oh, I'm really pleased I could bring you with me. I really want to empower women. But um, next time there's a meeting, you shouldn't speak. And maybe you should make me a snack when there's a meeting going on. She's just awful. (laughs) I found it really easy to get back into. It's got such, as you say, such a unique tone. It's dark, but it's warm. It's funny, but it's dealing with some, some harsh things. Even the... The stuff with Sarah Goldberg's character is really emotionally raw and she's handling it really well. And I love making TV within a show, although I didn't I didn't have an attraction to chivalry. The scenes of her going through her set were really fascinating and really well done. I'm really interested in where the show goes and how that affects Barry's relationship with her going forward, because I think they're going to drift apart because Barry is now this hitman for hire. And what does uh, Sally think Barry does? I couldn't work that out. Although she seemed completely disinterested in what he was doing, really. Doesn't she still think he's going for acting jobs and things like that? I assume so. I think so. so. I think, as you said, I don't think she's that interested. She's just kind of wrapped up in her own stuff. Mm. And what do you think he's going to do with gene because i was thinking potentially you know they were talking about his career is he gonna maybe like ask sally to give gene a part in her show or something i don't know that's the only thing i could think does of, that really. make it does that i make don't know but just because they were talking about his career being really bad so maybe that's that's the only thing that came to mind for me yeah really. and that, i guess that would bring i, I was a bit more i was thinking almost like giving him private lessons or something how i read it was that He's gone back to taking odd jobs, as you were, for Hitman for Hire, because what he used to fill the gap was the the acting and the theatre group, which is now folded. So he needs to find something else to do with his life. And he's gone back to what it was before, because when we first met Barry, he was this character who was trying to find that distraction for the PTSD that he was suffering through the war. And that's how sort of Fuchs managed to manipulate him into becoming this hitman then he found the acting and he found this family which now has disbanded so he's gone back to that again so maybe that's what he's looking for and that's what what gene's going to help him with i remember you were mixed on season two uh matt so that was was i i don't (laughs) how quickly did you take to get back into this I actually didn't find it a struggle, but this very much felt like by the end of it, I was like, well, this is sort of the setup. We're not getting a, a great deal here because we've got so many different characters to check in with. There was sort of there wasn't any sort of big moments or anything like that. This was very much a prelude to what is to come. I enjoyed it, but I, I you know, I, I'm desperate to see more. And maybe it would have helped if we had like almost like a double episode to start off with. It would have mm. felt like we were more on the road. I, I just felt almost I didn't get enough from this first episode. We've watched two comedies this week. No, three, sorry, for the pod this week. And uh, this was the right length. 
I mean, there's a comedy we'll talk about later, which was just far too long. If you're going to do a comedy, dark or otherwise, half an hour is where but it is should this, be. And is I this think... a comedy? Because you were talking about, I remember when we spoke about somebody somewhere and you were saying, is this a comedy just because it's half an hour? Is that the same with Barry? Is that is this a comedy or is it? It's, well, it's funny in places, comedy. The characters that are comedic are properly funny. And I think Harry Winkler, uh, Henry Winkler, Henry <laughs> Winkler is extremely funny and extremely affable. And I really like him a lot in this. So I think this is more of a comedy and it can get away with doing those dark things, in my view, because it's a comedy. Yeah, I think I would say it's a dark comedy. Going into it at like at the very start, I think people perhaps expected it to be more of a comedy because of Bill Hader being the star of it. If anything, mm. his performance is like the least comedic out of anyone, probably. Yeah, or he the, takes it's more it like, very seriously. Yeah, it's more like the supporting characters who are the kind of more eccentric, funny ones, and then his storylines are like the more, you know, dark, violent ones. Um, it did make me laugh a lot this first episode, though. The, the most I laughed, I think, was when you know when Jean has a gun and you're kind of thinking why would Jean have a gun it's a present from Rip Torn which just seems like of course that's why Jean would have a gun because it was given to him by Rip Torn as a gift or in his will or something it is brilliantly funny and it's because it's so dark that those funny moments really stand out to me they give you that sense of relief. You mentioned the forgiving Jeff thing, which I, I think came a little bit later into the episode, Luke, rather than right at the I start, unless I'm misremembering it. I think Jeff had had an affair with his wife, and that's why he'd asked Barry to kill him. But I thought that was all like, you know, I've forgiven him, and, and then they both get shot, but it was done almost in a very comic way, wasn't it? It's like, no, you can't do that now. Yeah. And Barry's having these weird premonition or he's just Mm. picturing killing everybody because blood spatter appears on their heads while he's chatting to them he's in a really dark place and and can't really reconcile what he's doing really but i think you've hit the nail on the head matt when you say it's because he doesn't have another outlet all he has now is his killing i'm surprised sally didn't put him somewhere on the show but their relationship now almost seems just to be for show, doesn't it? It's like, please turn up with flowers at this at this mm-hmm. time so yeah. people can see how happy our relationship is. It's almost as if he's regressed to Barry at the start of the, of the series. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, it, it, you know, whenever you come back into a world that you know, when it's been away for a long time, it's about getting back into it. And it didn't take me any time at all even though i didn't do that looking on youtube for a recap which in retrospect i wish i'd done but actually the episode didn't need a previous day on because they handled things really well as matt says we had a lot of people to check in on and everyone was in the right place and it seemed like it had moved forward and not stuck i thoroughly enjoyed it any more to say on the brilliance of barry if you've never seen it before give yeah. it a watch because it is one like when we said about russian doll Last week, it is one of the most sort of unique shows, I think. So it is definitely. And I don't think it's a programme that enough people have seen, certainly in this country. I I believe, is it all on now? Life is full of surprises. Some good, 
Some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. <laughs> TV, yes. It's all on now. At this precise moment, but not. They are airing this season uh, weekly on uh, Monday nights on Sky Comedy. And from the reviews I've read subsequently, a lot of American critics think this is the best season so far. So that gives me hope that they've done the right thing by writing season four and they know when they're going to end it. So, yeah, Barry on Sky Comedies on Monday nights. Next up is The Shining Girls. Not The Shining Girls, just Shining Girls, a new a twisty, turny, futuristic thriller on Apple TV Plus starring the brilliant Elizabeth Moss. And we're going to go to Matt, who is going to try his hardest to give you the basic plot of this very strange new drama. As Luke said, it's Elizabeth Moss in this. This is an adaptation of a novel by Lauren Bukes, I believe is the author. It's set primarily in 1992, but it does start in 1968, where we get a exchange between a very sinister character played by Jamie Bell and a young girl. We then flash to 92, where we meet Mossy's Kirby. She's an archivist working at the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, she survived a brutal attack six years prior. She's living initially with her mother, played by Amy Brenneman. They've got quite a combative relationship. She's very much cut off from the rest of the world. We see her at work. She's mainly uh, engrossed in a Walkman and listening to music. But soon we learn that the attack six years earlier affected her as her reality begins to be altered. The first time that we notice this is where she goes to sit at a desk in her office and it turns out it's actually not her desk. And then we see her cat become a dog isn't it and then the dog becomes a cat later on so it looks like the reality that she knew has been altered since she was attacked when a body of another girl who um, was killed two years earlier a social worker called julia kirby's called back into the police to see you know did you know you know is there any connection here the story is then picked up by dan velasquez who is a journalist at the sun times by and by, he learns about Kirby's connection and they sort of almost like work on it together as a, as, a, as a piece. But by and by, it sort of almost seems like she's going to be able to identify the attacker whose face she never saw the first time round. We've also got in the first episode, there's a subplot about 
Is she an astronomer, the lady at the museum, at the planetarium? And her connection to the Jamie Bell character who comes back into the 92 scenes looking exactly the same. So there's obviously an element of time travel there. He says to the various women that he meets, we see him interact with Julia in the second episode in flashback scenes from 1990. There's loads of different elements to it. I will go to Luke first. What did you make to Shining Girls? I struggled initially. I think we can all agree whether we enjoyed it or whether we didn't. It's a strange show. And as uh, I read Eamon's review after watching it, and he, he does say that it's a show that doesn't explain things, it, that it goes out of its way almost to confuse you and, and try and knock you off your feet occasionally. But actually, I watched the three that went up on Apple TV on Friday. Uh, I know we said to watch the two, but I just wanted to get a real handle on what this was and whether I'd want to continue watching it on from the three that they put up. And actually, I really found myself warming to it the more I watched. I think Elizabeth Moss, she's the best actress there is on television or otherwise at portraying trauma of any kind. There's no way I would have watched five seasons of The Handmaid's Tale without Elizabeth Moss as its centre. She just has this way of absorbing me into the the characters that she plays, I find her immediately likeable and I'm always on her side, whatever she's in. And although this took me a long time, I think that the third episode is brilliant. I think Jamie Bell, who I haven't seen, I don't believe, since Billy Elliot all those years ago, I think he is really sinister and really properly creepy. I worry a little bit that it's not going to stick the landing or that I won't understand the landing because I'm not that clever and that it's going to do some things that I, that I won't fully be able to understand with its way of playing with time. Because as you say, we, we sort of know who this killer is, but we don't know how he's able to look the same in all these different eras. Is this story eventually about them capturing him? And what does that mean if he's able to travel through eras of time or dimensions or whatever? So it may lose me, but the three that went up on Apple TV Plus, I watched back to back and I was really immersed in the story because I liked the way that Elizabeth Moss's character Kirby worked with this journalist. He wouldn't reveal to his editor that she was the source because she'd had to change her name and it's really ruined her life, her attack. So she doesn't really want to revisit it personally, but she wants to find out who the other women were, how they met their awful demise and who might be at the uh, centre of it. They have a voicemail recording that he leaves on an answer machine and she recognises his voice. It is a very strange show and Elizabeth Moss sells it brilliantly. Jamie Bell is brilliant. It's eight episodes. It's based on a, an acclaimed novel. I think I'm sticking with it, but it took me a while. It's like an interesting twist on the sort of, you know, hunting a serial killer story because obviously this serial killer can seemingly travel through time and since she has escaped from him her world has been sort of changing around her like her getting away has somehow messed with time and reality and like you said there's that bit where she comes into work and she's got a different desk and everyone is like oh no that's always been your desk and then to the more extreme levels she's like married to a guy from work suddenly and doesn't know how this has happened yeah it's very intriguing and I watched three as well I was eating while watching two and then I just sort of let it carry on because I was interested to see what would happen next and I think I'm going to carry on until the mm. end um I think it's in in episode two 
I thought that was quite effective where one of the victims, she sort of gets a phone call from the killer at home and then she's walking around the house and there are like Polaroids of her doing things that she hasn't done yet. I thought that was very Mm. effective Mm. in a sort of like horror kind of way. I think it's another example of Apple TV Plus just putting out really interesting prestige stuff that just feels... Mm. In comparison to a platform like Netflix, it just feels really, you know, something interesting to watch and we don't know where it's going. Can't predict it at all, unless, of course, you happen to have read the novel. I really like the sequence in the convenience store where he tells the young girl to take the beers because the clerk's going to drop all his money, he's going to drop all his coins and you can escape there. He tells her where to go and then follows her because he knows there's no door out. He's a really cleverly thought out and well-performed villain I think I think Jamie Bell has a lot of charisma in that role and is properly eerie and I, I you know I liked him and didn't like him at the same time I thought it was really well done I agree with I think you said it Luke about Elizabeth Moss that she can sell anything I know myself and you have both watched The Invisible Man for example love that it's one of those things where you need a central performance that makes you believe in these strange occurrences and the constant shifting of her life and the characters around her. You know, she keeps this list of, this is where you live now, your bedroom is here, your apartment is here, you have a cat, now you have a dog, now you have a cat, and all those little things. But she really sold me on it. And I think if you didn't have her in this, I think it may have lost me because the scenes where she wasn't there, I wasn't as invested in. I think, you know, Kirby is this character that from the first moment you meet her, because of Elizabeth Moss, you get the trauma. You know, she's incredibly introverted. You get that something massive has happened to her, and obviously that unravels through time. I agree with you, Luke, as well, about Jamie Bell. That first scene where you see him, you instantly know this guy's a bit off. I know the the music that they play certainly signifies that as well, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm not sure if I'm as hooked as you two seem to be. I only watched the two. I was considering the third. The third one was brilliant. The third one was the one that sold okay. it to me. Really. Maybe I will go and, and have a look at that then. I never felt like my time was being wasted. I liked all the... Yeah, little... that is this bit of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I, I bet you liked as well, Luke, how pivotal cassettes were throughout this with the Yes, let's the get them back and... in the mainstream. I don't know whether you got this or not. The girl who's now working at the observatory doing the astrology, mm-hmm. I think I got that she was the girl at the beginning that he met because he kept saying to her, don't you recognise me? I think he said he, that to Julia as well. He was saying... Oh, I was on. reading about it this morning. I think something that I read said that they thought that as well because I think when in the flashbacks he's calling the girl Ginny and mm. then I think ah. her name as an adult is like Jin Soo or something. Jin so Su- it could ah. be yeah, the Jin same. Suk. Yeah. Okay. So it could be the same girl. Okay. Right, okay. And also in the third one, of course, uh, Elizabeth Moss's Kirby actually tracks her down and visits the observatory and she pretends not right. to know anything about it. It's just really really fascinating and and Sophie's right what Apple TV is doing is they are picking these original stories okay this one is based on an acclaimed novel but not one that a ton of people will have read and I can tell you sitting here now I have no idea where this is going to go no idea at all but I love the fact that when you sit down to this and you sit down to Severance 
You've got no idea what you're quite watching, what's going on behind the scenes, what you're not being told. And I really appreciate that Apple TV are doing that. Even with the after party, I feel there were elements I, of that too. Raw as well is another example of something which I, I can't see any other platform taking on. And that was a complete unique anthology series. So they are doing a lot of interesting things. And I, this certainly stacks up amongst them. Yeah, I loved it. Shining Girls, every Friday, eight episodes in total on Apple TV+. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Good to the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. Next up, Sophie's going to talk about a show. She knows the bedrock of the original better than me and Matt because she's seen it and we haven't. I'm talking, of course, <laughs> about the the uh, remake of Call My Agent, the French comedy which you can stream all of on Netflix. Uh, it's been remade by W1A in 2012's John Morton. Sophie, over to you. What did you make of this and can you set it up for us? So, yeah, this is a British remake of the French comedy series Call My Agent, which I feel over the last year or two has become a bit of a word of mouth hit outside of France via Netflix. Um, You know, French Mm. people have been watching it for a few years now. And then I feel like during the pandemic, for some reason, it's become a bit of a thing in like the UK and the US as well, watching it with subtitles. Um, So Mm. I binged it all last year. Uh, A lot of other people seem to do the same thing. And now we have this British remake called 10%, as you said, written by John Morton, who wrote W1A and 2012. I think when the remake got announced, I felt a bit sceptical. But when I heard that he was writing it, I thought, oh, that does Mm. seem like a good fit. You know, it's that sort of workplace comedy that he's used to writing. Um, And it's set in this fictional talent agency in London, which is called Nightingale Heart. They represent a lot of big British actors. The show is all about the agents and their assistants trying to navigate this sort of tricky job where on the one hand, they have to keep the talent happy. They have to get people work. They also have to sort of advise these actors on what they should do with their careers, you know, that all that sort of thing and negotiating deals with studios and things like that. Um, And as with the French series, in every episode, there's a cameo from an actor playing themselves as a client of the agency. So in episode one, Kelly MacDonald has been cast as the lead in a new sort of blockbuster film, but she gets told by the Americans that she has to look younger in order to secure the role. It's very similar to the French version, particularly the sort of celebrity cameo storylines have been directly taken from the French version because the first episode of that started with French film actress being cast in the new Tarantino film and being told that she has to have plastic surgery. So they've kind of lifted these storylines from the French version um, and dropped the British celebrities into them because they they were never super specific to who the actors were. They were just more like storylines that could apply to all sorts of different actors, really. Okay, and and so it's a slight spoiler to say that the patriarch of family that run this agency, played by Jim Broadbent, dies at the end of the first episode. Is that lifted as well from the original? 
yes, in the French version, he is just their boss, whereas in this version, he's also the dad of one of the agents. Um, so that mm. relationship didn't exist in the original. Um, so I think they've sort of added it in to give it a little bit more sort of emotional weight. Also, I think if I remember rightly, in the French version, he died because he went on holiday and he swallowed a bee or a wasp or something. Whereas right. in this British remake, he has a heart attack and it's a lot more emotional. Um, so I mm. think maybe that's just the Frenchness of it all. Like it's a bit more whimsical. The British version has made it a little bit more grounded, I guess. Did you like it, Sophie? It's hard with the remake. Did you like this? I did, yes. It's quite hard to watch it and put myself in the shoes of someone who hasn't seen the original. I did enjoy it. I thought it was very watchable. Um, I think all the performances are great. Everyone is very well cast. Some of them weirdly even look like the French equivalents. I don't know if that was a big deal in the casting, but I remember when they first released the cast photo for this, I could tell what parts people were playing without actually reading the details because you could just tell from the look of mm. them yeah it is very similar to the french one so i guess that you could argue you know what what's the point really unless maybe you're someone who doesn't want to watch something with subtitles so you'd watch this instead um so there is that slight element of did this really need to happen but i think you know it has happened i think it's well written well performed I've watched four of them so far, um, and I'm quite looking forward to watching the other four this evening. Yeah, just found it very watchable, really. Not laugh out loud funny, but quite pleasant and amusing. Um, Interesting to see the sort of British celebrities that have been put into this. But again, that's because I've seen the original. I'm interested to see what they do with it. (laughs) So the second one is Helena Bonham. First one's Kelly MacDonald, as you said. Second one's Helena Bonham Carter, I believe. And Olivia Williams. Who's yeah, in three and four. Uh, three is Dominic West. I can't remember four now. Actually, that's escaped my <laughs> mind. But um, the one with Dominic West is quite funny because it's like he's starring in a really sort of awful-looking modern version of Hamlet, where he's having to like use a phone and a selfie stick on stage and things like that, and he's like not getting on with the director. And again, that's taken from the French one. But in the French one, it's an actor having to swim on stage and he can't swim. When you're watching the French one, it doesn't really detract the fact that these might be big or minor French celebrities that you wouldn't personally know. It it doesn't change your enjoyment at all. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. 
go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, about 90% of them I have to Google in the French one because obviously they're mm. French stars who aren't particularly yeah. well-known in the English-speaking world. I don't know, it, it doesn't really bother me, and I guess it's the same for everyone who watches it, really. You just kind of go with it, really, and just kind of Google them and go, oh, okay, they're a French rapper. If you had to tell somebody, if you like the feel of this, which one's better in your opinion i mean that it's not really fair because call my agent is series long and this is just you've only seen half of this first series which satirizes it better for you it's hard i think it's a perfectly good remake i don't think it's hugely better or hugely worse based on what i've seen Mm. so far so it's hard to say really like for example i was thinking about this before because my parents haven't seen the original and i don't know which one to tell them to watch like it's hard to know really i guess it depends if you want to watch something with subtitles or not is really what it probably comes down to which seems a bit arbitrary one thing i would say about the french one though is that it's not some sort of like faultless masterpiece you know it is very good but like there's four series of it and I think the fourth series is not that good um, because the showrunner left. It depends what you want to do really. If you want to jump in at this sort of new version or if you want to embark on, you know, four series of something that's French uh, where you have to use Google a lot while you're watching it to find out who people are. <laughs> Fair enough. They did a weird thing with this is that they announced this was coming. They announced the title, they announced the cast and they didn't announce when it was coming so for a long time i didn't know if channel four had done this if bbc had done this and it seems a bit odd that it's on a rival streaming service and that they are sort of playing on if you like call my agent on netflix amazon's got the uk remake i have to say it left me really cold this and i am somebody who's loved john morton's work from people like us all those years ago in the late 90s early noughties i think w1a and uh 2012 W1A particularly is a bit of a masterpiece and it points out all the things that I find ridiculous about the BBC and it makes fun of them and has a good time doing it and it's all in good faith. I think the central cast here, I just didn't warm to them at all. I think Jack Davenport is just somebody who I will never warm to. He's just not got that presence for me on screen. I also question whether the celebrities here are big enough names, you know, because like Kelly McDonald, yes, she did State of Play. Yes, she's done some American movies, I believe. Yes, she's done Line of Duty. Those, Is though, she... I think they're the level of actor that you would expect this agency to represent, I suppose. Yeah, but then I they're think... talking also about representing Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but she doesn't appear in this, you know, so they're obviously, there's mention of Benedict Cumberbatch as well, so they're a big-time agency, mm. and then... I don't know whether the actors they get in are quite of the calibre. You know, when, when Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant did extras all those years ago, they were able to get in the big names because they had the kudos of the guys who did The Office, you know, come and work with us. This is our, our difficult second album and we want you along for the journey. I don't know. I didn't really find this funny. I found all the Kelly McDonald stuff properly awkward when she was on Lorraine, all the things that John Morton does so well, 
I could see he was deploying here, but it just didn't connect with me in the same way. Then you've got the musical stings, which feel very similar as if they were ripped from from W1A. I don't know, just nothing about this worked. And I just felt no desire to continue with it at all. Maybe that might be that I'm just, I wasn't in the right frame of mind, or the first one isn't a good example of what the rest of it is. But as we always say, the first one should have enough in there to make you want to go, yeah, I want to spend more time with these people. And for me, it just didn't work. I think the episodes could do with being a smidge shorter because mm. it, it's what we're used to with British comedies. Um, the French ones are like an hour long, so I guess that's why it's that way. Mm. So I wanted to like it because I've not seen the original and I wanted to be let in on this big sort of phenomenon that everybody's been talking about online and telling me I should watch and I've still not done. But this wasn't the best example of it, I don't think, this first one I saw. I agree with with what you're saying about the length as well. I think it could have been punchier. I think that's what it almost felt. There were bits where it sort of meandered a little bit. The the the, the pace lost me. I think mm. you know John Morton's stuff when it's half an hour. You know it's it's very hectic, isn't it? I think that's you know the pace mm. you've got from 2012 and W1A. I suppose they had the mockumentary format there as well, which helped. Whereas this, it feels a lot slower. I agree that the, the the thing with the celebrities here, and I think when you're comparing it to extras, and when we talked about chivalry last week as well, Sophie, with the Paul Rudd cameo, is you've got famous people for who the most part, they are just actors. They're not, you know, there's no persona there. You know, Helena Bonham Carter mm. possibly being the exception because... You know, there's this perception of her being sort of really daft and over the top and what have you. But, you know, the likes of Olivia Williams, Dominic West, Kelly MacDonald, I believe Hamish Patel's in one of the episodes. So oh, these... yeah, that's episode four. That's why I'd forgotten. <laughs> it's Hamish Patel and Emma Corrin, who I had to Google because I don't watch The Crown. But yeah, the, the other one was Phoebe Devener from Bridgerton, Bridgerton turns up in one as well. I'm just thinking... Yes, these are ne- these people have agents clearly in real mm. life. But if you're having to Google who the celebrities are and they're not French celebrities, but if Sophie's saying that it's the same sort of level as as the French one, you know, they're not like the biggest names. Extras had the thing where we are on a different set each week, so we can justify having these yeah. names in. In this, it does seem very much like to put it. I know you mentioned Benedict Cumberbatch and. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but it seems like a lovey culture almost. You know, they're all sort of like mm. theatre actors. They're all of a similar sort of level, and you can see why they would all be at the same agency. I know they mentioned Maggie Smith as well as another name they mentioned in that first episode, but they they are the sort of people you could imagine having there, whereas if it was like a big star, possibly with that persona, then it might lose you a little bit. So it's, it's playing that balancing act. I'm sort of going to play Switzerland a little bit here <laughs> as Luke loves oh. me to. I, I agree that there was nothing really in these first two episodes that made me laugh out loud, but you warm to the sort of the ensemble, don't you, Sophie? I think that's that's where I found it. I think the, the first 10 minutes I wasn't invested in. I think where it turned to corners when they introduced Misha, who is mm-hmm. has got this connection to Jonathan that we're not quite sure what it is, but we think... Well, she's his daughter, isn't she? We assume. 
Is that an, is that also lifted from Call My Agent? Yeah, that she's his daughter, woman. and it's not, like it was not Jonathan's of... daughter though. Jonathan's the the Jack Davenport character, isn't she? Jim Broadbent's daughter. That's why. No, 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 no. She's no, um, she's Jack, Jack Davenport. Oh, is she? And it's, and it's like um the product of an affair, and that's why it's right. a secret yes. because his his family don't know that he has a daughter with another woman, right. and so that's, that's why, why he's he kind says... of freaking out so much. And she it... did. She looked too old to be Jack Davenport's daughter. <laughs> that's why I was questioning it. Oh, I think she's only a, right. supposed to be about twenty or something. Right. Oh, well, yeah, that's that was me then. You know. It, I don't know how to get out of here, but we're going to have to leave. No, not together. We have to leave separately. I don't want people mm. thinking. It's... And then she mentioned, somebody yeah. asked her about her family, and she says, oh, I, I, I won't talk about my dad or something like that. So it's yeah. quite obvious. Because um, in the French version, she's from Cannes, and basically the affair happened during the Cannes Film Festival. And in this version, she's from Edinburgh. So I was thinking, is Aris the one at the Edinburgh Fringe or the Edinburgh TV Festival or something? Yeah, I like to think it happened during the Edinburgh TV Festival. So, <laughs> that's that's but I think that character for me is where they so obviously they, they can then use her as the proxy to explain who all the characters are, seemed to pick up there. I felt like I got to know the characters. I think the gimmick of having the celebrity of the week didn't quite work for me. I thought that maybe that was one of the the sort of the weakest elements, but at the same time, that's what the show is being sold on as well. So for me, I felt like if it was 10 minutes shorter, it possibly would have been a lot better. I think it's kind of awkward, like possibly in the way it's been marketed, like, if you're tuning into this expecting it to be like extras where the celebrities Mm. are playing crazy versions of themselves that's not really what it is you know we've got these celebrity cameo storylines but they could almost be played by anyone like they could be played Mm. by non-famous actors for example the one with Himesh Patel and uh, Emma Corrin the storyline is that they're doing a film together they have to do a sex scene and they're finding it awkward because they do actually fancy each other. And it's like, you know, they could be played by anyone in that scenario. It's not really about their sort of personas as such, if that makes sense. No, they're not playing on what people already know about them, are they? Like when Ross Kemp came into extras and played the hard man next to Vinnie Jones, that was playing on perceptions that people have of them, whereas these are playing part and it does make me wonder whether it was all written and then they went who can we get yeah I read an interview with the writer and he said it was kind of I don't know the French version was possibly written this way as well that because it's so hard to pin these people down you can't really set your mind on one person for the cameo because they might drop out or you might not be able to get them so you have to kind of write it in a way where it could be like oh we could get one of these 10 people who might be available that week i was just going to say i wonder if this is a case of these actors being fans of the original french version as well in the case of this and want you know knowing the sort of the style of it a little bit yeah probably 10%. 10%. Uh, we're mixed on. I've got a review on the site from Nicole who, who liked it. Uh, Sophie's review will go up later on. Vodzilla, you can have a read of that. Unusually for Amazon, it is all there in its entirety, all eight episodes. And you've got no idea on Amazon whether it's doing well or not, but it'd be interesting to see what the future holds for it. It's all on Amazon now if you want to watch it. And we're going to finish on another comedy. This one is on BBC One and is uh, a spin-off from a Christmas one-off called 
Pandemonium, which I am vaguely aware of but didn't see. This is now titled Here We Go Again and Here We Go Again with Matt. Well, Luke, it's just called Here We Go. You've had to do it again. You're thinking of of Mamma Mia. As as Luke said, this was initially a one-off in Christmas 2020 called Pandemonium. I did actually go back to watch it because I hadn't seen it originally before watching the two episodes that we have for the podcast. I don't know, Sophie, did you see it? I watched it at the time and I felt like I was the only person who did because I saw nobody else talking about it online. But I enjoyed it when I watched it at the time. And I think it helps because they do reference bits that happened in that, don't they? And I think you get a feel for the characters. So that pandemonium was about a family who were planning to go to the States in 2020 the father of the family, played by um, Jim Howick, is a former Olympic archer who runs an archery school. The Catherine Parkinson character, who's the mum, she was about to open a cafe. The daughter was about to go to university. So all these things changed because of the pandemic. Their holiday in America became a seaside trip in November. It's almost like a hapless family who experienced these pitfalls throughout the year and it's all documented on a camcorder the son of the family Sam has so it's all done as as if it's being filmed by Sam so the first episode it starts with the Catherine Parkinson character her birthday and dad gets her like a voucher for the family to go to this go ape type park and she's got six months on it but then they forget about it till the last day and it's all it's very almost like farcical that they have to do all these things. They've only got a certain amount of time to book all the activities and things happen throughout the course of the episode. It does flash back and forth. So to sort of see what happened and then go back to it. And and the two episodes that I watched, it very much ends the same in sort of chaos, almost like farcical chaos in each instance. Luke, I can't think that this was for you very much, but I'm very interested in your thoughts on this. You're right. It it wasn't for me. There were jokes that I liked. Um, Alison Stedman ends up looking after her next-door neighbour's dog because they've gone to Iceland and they're trying to work out if they've gone to the supermarket or the country. Just little... (laughs) Little gags like that 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 it's were I should have funny. said as well, and, it's Tom Basden who's written this and also stars as uh Catherine yeah. Parkinson's brother. It's likable. For me, it just felt really, really dated. The the setup of it felt dated. Would he be using a camcorder? Wouldn't he just film all this on a mobile phone? I found the device really jerky. I think the actors are all great. Alison Stedman not really having to try very hard because she's done this character in multiple different sitcoms since she's had success in Gavin and Stacey. Jim Howick is this sort of put-upon, angry, everything just below the surface father is not having to try very hard. Catherine Parkinson doing Catherine Parkinson. No, nobody really mm. surprising me in this particularly. Deck your home with blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or 
waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You know, it's the sort of comedy that we say doesn't exist anymore because it, it does focus on the family. And for that reason, we should applaud it because it means a family audience can watch it and uh, can relate to... And it's a pre-watershed as well, isn't it? Which yes, we very rarely which get. We also, which we also say don't exist. Mm. I could see a lot of families with kids of the right age this would appeal to. People can relate to, you know, having this voucher that they get at Christmas or birthday and then they realise, oh, God, we've only got a day to do it and they're having to rush through it and what is supposed to be a fun day turns into manic because of bad organisation. It just felt like a bit of a relic, and I'm sorry to say that. The cast were just doing the performances I'd expect from these people. They didn't really try particularly hard. There were gags I liked, as I said, but this isn't going to stick with me. It's one of those things where people say BBC comedy is irrelevant, and I would never say that. But for me as a viewer, this is not something I'll be going onto the iPlayer and seeking out and watching and recommending. It didn't gel with me. It was It was about... 10, 12 years out of date for me. And now Sophie's going to completely disagree. Yeah, I, I really like Tom Basden. And I think, you know, in an ideal world, I think he would be given something a bit more sort of out there to write. But this is, you know, a BBC One sitcom. And, you know, you said it feels perhaps like it could have been made 10 years ago. And I do agree with that. But I think if you want to make a BBC One sitcom, that's kind of unfortunately mm. no, what you have I to know. do. Because you have to yeah. try and make it broad and appeal to a lot of people and I do think this is really well written I think he's done a really good job with this premise which is it's about a family like it's quite broad yeah it is very like tightly written I think it's the sort of thing where you know I've watched the first episode once but if I went back and watched it again I think there would be lines in there that I missed the first time because it's very fast-paced it made me laugh when um that the dog they're looking after is called Lord Sugar and when mm. they're talking about him doing his business someone says what do you mean his business and someone else goes amstrad but it's like really yeah. kind of like a throw and they're calling him sir alan as well aren't they i think as well <laughs> yeah yeah and like you said before that confusion as to whether the neighbors have gone to iceland the country on holiday or they've just nipped to the supermarket the time jump element i guess makes it a little bit different in the format and i think they use that with the comedy quite well like the, you know, the grandma's coming in complaining about this new puppy next door. She's called the council to try and get rid of it because it's so loud. And then six months later, she's looking after it and is like, I've always loved this dog from yeah. day one. Like, I think that's quite a good twist on it. The fact that we do these time jumps and then episode two is even more time jumpy. Like, I almost got a bit confused at some points in episode two and had to rewind to see where we were. As we said before, the cast are all great. I love Jim Howick and Catherine Parkinson. I could watch them in anything. It's strange that this character is like a former archer because in Ghosts, Ooh. archery plays a part in his character's death. Oh. So I don't know what it is about Jim Howick and archery. 
Um, but yeah, he he just makes me laugh so much. Like they're talking about how he's kind of I think unemployed, isn't he? He, mm-hmm. he needs to get he, he needs to get a he new. He ran job. an archery school. Yeah. He's unwilling to do anything that isn't related to archery. So. Yeah. That really made me laugh because I think his wife is like, can't you get a job unrelated to archery? And he says, um, I have to do archery, hun. It's who I am. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. And yeah, Tom Basden's character coming in as the slightly sort of tragic, like trying to be cool brother-in-law and his girlfriend, who I feel like is the sort of character we've seen before. But I think the performance. I really thought she was it. excellent. Tori Allen yeah, Martin, I, she was brilliant. I, she was one of my favourites in this. Yeah, a lot of really good line deliveries. She's like had an affair, hasn't she? And then yeah, they just so got together because he's that, so desperate. That was in the pandemonium thing. That was the thing was they were going to get married. That was the other. Oh, episode. yeah. They couldn't. And then in the scenes where they're on holiday, it's revealed that she's left him for the personal trainer. And then mm-hmm. she's back saying, oh, yeah, he's, he went back to his family, which I quite like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because did you both watch episode two as well? I did. Where they're talking about bringing over his um, Dungeons Workshop, and Dragons. Yeah. yeah, and the, she says It's something full of orcs. Like, yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's the, her delivery, I think, as yeah. well, isn't it? It's a bit different from from the rest of the cast perhaps yeah i think she was really standout um yeah I, I like this i'm gonna carry on watching it i was looking at the reviews this morning and they've been really good so that's you know nice to have a sort of new bbc one primetime sitcom that seems to be pleasing a lot of different people and isn't coming ac- across as like really sort of overly broad and simple the last one we had was with king gary which they were desperate to tell you was like the new only fours and horses which is going to get people's backs up because yours it wasn't that yeah but what (laughs) but what i mean that's recently been axed i think this is better than that because this is instantly more relatable what i was going to say is i think pandemonium did really well on the iplayer i think that's part of the reason they've got a full series of this I, i i don't know if that's just something i've made up but i i'm pretty sure that it was one of those things that a lot of people found on the iPlayer. Hopefully, I guess because it's got such a, a good cast, you know, people might go in for that mm. reason. And like, like I'm a massive fan of ghosts and I've seen a lot of uh, other sort of ghosts fans excited about it because of Jim Howick and Katie Wicks being in it. So hopefully it does find an audience. And uh, like you said, King Gary, again, it feels like I love Tom Davis, but it feels like him being forced into a kind of format where he has to write a very broad simplistic story when something like murder and successful is like him at his best being or you know, the curse as well which people I, yeah. I we watched the first one but I, people seem to quite like that the people who continue with it yeah i just feel like yeah bbc one sitcoms hard to get right and probably hard to kind of write when you're given a specific brief uh, you know i i agree with you sophie i found it very likable I think everyone is playing to their strengths. I think that's what you're saying, Luke, is they're sort of the actors that you know, like Alison Stebman, Jim Howick, Catherine Parkinson, are playing those sort of characters that you know them for. And I think that's why maybe I gravitated towards the other cast members. I thought the actress playing Mm. the daughter is very good as well. Um, Mm -hmm. That story in the second episode where 
Kathleen Parkinson thinks that she's got cannabis in her coat and then it turns out it's Kathleen Parkinson's cannabis from when she was from the 90s 90s and then their opinions on drugs change to the extent at the end where the parents are smoking it in the back garden and trying to get the daughters to join (laughs) but yeah no inoffensive but I don't think it's anything that you possibly will remember it's not trying to reinvent the wheel but it is one of those where I think they are trying to get that family audience as you said Luke which almost seems to be a thing of the past to see if they can do something in 2022 which will appeal to that audience it's something that you would be comfortable watching with your your pre-teens I think here we go is I believe all up on the iPlayer in its mm. entirety as is the show that kicked it all off pandemonium uh, I don't know why they page. didn't air that the week before this came on that seems sort of like a, a, a sort of misfire because I think it would have helped people say this is the the sort of the prelude to this series but just because it's rare for us to have the same guest twice uh Sophie did you end up doing what you said and finish chivalry I did. I I watched the last two last night because I thought I might get asked about it. Um, (laughs) And you are. Yeah, it very much becomes a different show in the second half, almost like a rom-com, which I wasn't Mm -hmm. on board for at all. Like there's a chase through the airport at the end to get her before she goes on a flight. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all. I I thought it was interesting just because I was so flip-flopping on it. Like, am I enjoying this? Am I hating this? What is this trying to do? I thought it was all very odd, to be honest. If it had started out and just been all about that kind of, you know, intricacies of working on a modern film set, I think I would have been up for that. But halfway through, it just becomes something completely different, which I did not enjoy at all. Considering the star power... And the amount I've seen it trailed. I haven't seen an awful lot of people talking about it online or, or anywhere, really. Um, it's, no. it's a strange one. Do you think it'll come back? Does it, is it set up for more? No, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really didn't like it. I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I can't believe I watched all of it, but I was just so interested in what, what they were going to do. Um it could come back, I guess, because it's kind of, you know, what she's going to do next in her career. At the mm. end, she's at a bit of a crossroads where she's been offered a big sort of superhero movie where she would move back to the UK to do it. Or Steve Coogan gets her money to do her sort of indie project in LA and she's kind of trying to decide what to do. Um, so again, it's like his character being very nice wow. at the end. And her husband, who seems lovely in the first few episodes, does a real turn and becomes like a villain. I I don't know. I can't imagine them making more because, as you said, I haven't really seen much discussion about it at all. Looking at the British reviews, they're very positive, but they're almost entirely based on episode one. So, again, I would have I would have had that thought as well. Um, A writer called... um, AJ Black, who I follow on Twitter, I don't know if you follow him too, he's British, and he wrote something about the series as a whole, and he also really didn't like the second half of it. (laughs) And that was the only review of the whole series that I could find. It is fascinating when things start and you assume they're going to go one way, and then it's like that they stopped, maybe the pandemic stopped them and they forgot what they were writing and just completely (laughs) wrote a different end of the show. Weird. Really interesting, though, that something with that star power and that calibre of talent behind it just doesn't always gel. 
that is it. That's the podcast, and that has been me talking on this podcast. I never Ooh. thought it would happen again. Wow. <laughs> Matt, what's on the agenda for next week, or don't we know not, yet? Not a lot, but we are going to be reviewing The Staircase, and you might be back. People. Have you seen the, the original Staircase, Sophie, the Netflix documentary? The documentary, I did at yeah. the time, yeah. I mean, presumably you're not going to be free for the third week in a row. How do you feel <laughs> about there being a drama with Colin Firth and Tony Collette portraying not only the story we know, but also, according to the trailer referencing the fact that the documentary is being made it just sounds utterly bizarre to me i feel like the documentary was long enough wasn't it it felt overly long <laughs> at the time wasn't it about like 10 hours long or something yeah well they, they, they it was originally it was a french documentary that did like six episodes and then netflix asked them to go back and do mm. more so yeah there were 10 in total like you say i loved it at the time it was really engrossing and a real family study of this bizarre family and all the adoptive children and whether she fell down the stairs or was pushed and then there was another wife that was found to have fallen down and there the was stairs an owl as well. at some point i don't remember the owl everybody references the owl i, I don't the, remember the owl, the owl could have been the killer because uh, there were some feathers found or something like that but i just don't know whether a drama again is, it's a bit is this like a thing called... now like the tiger king thing as well you know yeah. it's going to well, become a thing and like uh, the dropout was a podcast. We crack like we work has been the subject of a lot of documentaries and mm. podcasts. Like it just seems to be a thing that's happening a lot at the moment. Like turning these sort of podcasts or true crime documentaries into dramatized series, yeah. and it's kind of like who's it for? Because if you've yeah. watched the documentary, you've kind of got everything you need to know. I I haven't watched We Crashed, but I've heard a lot of people say that it doesn't really add anything it's just about yeah, these yeah. people who are horrible people but like trying to mm. make them sympathetic because it's a whole series about them and their relationship the dropout was brilliant i hadn't yeah, heard I've any heard of the podcast and it didn't ever try and make her sympathetic because she was an awful That's human good. being but it did make the people around her i think it's stephen fry i think he does a brilliant job in it. it's the first time i've ever been able to go you're actually an actor. You're not just Stephen Fry of QI. You're brilliant at this. But the whole thing is brilliant. She sells it really well. In the case of The Staircase, which we, somebody, maybe even me, will talk about next week, what am I going to gain from it? How is it going to end? Is it going to end open-ended? Well, open-ended, we know that he went to prison. Is it but, for people but, who've um, never seen The Staircase? Yeah, yeah, I think I was just going to say, I think it is. I think that's exactly who it's for. I mean, I think people like yourselves, will be intrigued and, and maybe sort of watch it with a curiosity. curiosity. Yeah. But I think they are trying to reach people who may either have heard of the documentary but never watched it or have never watched the documentary before. And this is this stranger than fiction thing, whereas like the Tiger King thing that, that was they did. That was a cash in though, that, wasn't it? That, that was the cash in. The Staircase was what, 2017, 2018? So that's years, that's... Yeah quite a long time ago now the documentary was on so they're not sort of cashing in on that mm. further this is an existing ip as a factual thing that some people are aware of but we are going to now dramatize it and see see what happens and try and get more eyes on the story perhaps what channel I, I, is it on it's on hbo max which means it's actually on sky atlantic okay that that makes me think it might be good then if it's on hbo i know and the it, cast I, is good yeah. Sophie Turner's in it as one of the strange daughters. Uh, Tony Collette, as I said, 
playing um, Catherine Peterson and Michael Peterson, played by Colin Firth. The cast is really good. As much as I love TV drama, there's a documentary like this I will always prefer to watch the true story told by the people who were there. So it's going to be interesting to be able to switch the part of my brain off that knows the documentary. It's even more fascinating, though, that according to the trailer that's up on the site now, the documentarians are mentioned and named, and it's part of the show that they have the documentary crew there, which is really a bizarre thing to do, but perhaps the only way they could do it, I don't know, to reference the fact that they're being filmed for the documentary. I don't know, really fascinating. That'll be next week, although we've pretty much reviewed it already without seeing it. We've previewed Sophie, it, Luke. We've previewed yeah. it. Sophie, you're on a break from the podcast. When will you be back on the podcast? Not this no. one, your one. The S Club one. I, I yeah. don't know. Probably after the summer. Probably autumn or winter back for what will be the final series of the S Club 7 TV oh. show. That's going to be an emotion. I don't think I can listen to that. That'll be too emotional for yeah. me. Yeah, Paul's going to gonna leave to. the band. Oh, pulling behind the curtain a bit, you probably mentioned this. Where do you find them all? Where where are the episodes stored? The first two series are on YouTube, and right. series three and four I had to buy with my own money <laughs> from an oh, S Club wow. 7 fan website because they've never been officially so- released on DVD. Because <laughs> there's an S Club 7 fan website where you can get either dvds or digital downloads of every series and so i get the digital download and share the one episode in question with the guest (laughs) who's doing it wow that's commitment there so yeah i have to to buy this fourth series soon and prepare myself for that all i have to do is uh, just give you the password for the preview site and even that feels like hard work sometimes but i appreciate you bought them that is amazing (laughs) commitment you can find sophie and her various podcasts on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else. Thank you so much for joining us two weeks in a row. You may now leave the Skype call, unless you just want to be here next week. Leave now, Sophie, leave. (laughs) Three out of four weeks, so we do appreciate your your service. No, we do. And your availability. (laughs) (laughs) This has been another edition of the Custard TV podcast. Visit the site, Follow us on Twitter. The site again is thecustomtv.com. We'll be back soon. Goodbye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.